What up, Fatherhoods Nation? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. They've got ill creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all that. You can make a little paper from your podcast too with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child. This is KGB. What up, it's DJ EFN. Yo, what's good? This is Manny Digital. Welcome to the Fatherhoods Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta find some better sounds to (laughs) fill that space with. (laughs) We're terrible. (laughs) Yo, so it's it's been a minute since we it's been a few weeks, a couple weeks, I think, now since since we were last able to get together. And uh, and since then we had the untimely death of, of Nipsey Hussle that we haven't had a chance to really talk about together here. So I I would love for us to pay homage to that man and kind of just give our perspectives on that whole situation. Because I know for me personally, it's been... I, I didn't imagine anything like that really affected me the way it did, but the way that shit went down and, I mean, everything surrounding that man and the legacy that he's left behind, like, is it really makes that death super, you know... Shocking A and B hurt. So I mean, what? I know E, you had some some thoughts and you you were privy to some conversations. Anything you want to share? No, I mean, it it definitely was shocking, and and I think as we all learn even more about what he was doing behind the scenes, which we all kind of knew a little bit about, but you know, it's more and more is coming out. And obviously, we don't know everything about everyone, and and no one is perfect in the world, but it definitely it hit home um, because he, to me, he kind of like is the, the epitome of what hip hop sets out to be. You know, you, you come from, you know, from the struggle and from negativity in some cases, and you try to turn that negative into a positive and you try to do right by that. And, and I think he was definitely trying to live that um, as best as he could. And then, and then, you know, and then unfortunately the, without, you know, lack of better words, the streets took him. And, and and I just think that it just shocked everybody because he had so much potential ahead of him. He was just getting started. He was still a young man. I think he had just reached. He was in his early thirties, maybe. Yeah, 30, yeah 30, thirty-three. I think it was. Yeah, thirty-three. Yeah. yeah, so he was, you know, and 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 a lot of people are saying that he was kind of like what maybe Big and Pac would have eventually evolved into, had they not, you know, passed, you know, died. They died a lot younger, right? Like in their early twenties, correct? Mm-hmm. Late. Mid to late twenties, I want to say, but yeah, I mean, mid to late twenties was it? No, big, big was early. Big was he was young. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Pac might have been a little bit older than him, if I'm not mistaken, but still early. They didn't get nowhere near thirty. Right, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. they're saying that Nipsey was kind of like what what they would have been if they were still around, what they would have evolved into, and that's still just getting started. So it just was shocking, and I and I think that you know. A lot of people who didn't even know about him started to mourn because if you're a 
you know, if you're a fan of the culture, if you're if you live the culture, you you have to appreciate someone like him, whether you would listen to his music or not. And, and I think that that's what was so shocking just to just to see this young man just, you know, have such an untimely death. Yeah. What, what I what I like about the outpouring is, you know, it's it's a lot of his praise is being based on all the positive stuff that he was doing as opposed to, you know, when when a celebrity passes, uh, a lot of it is kind of based on their work, uh, whether it's the music or right. a movie they were in or a TV show or something like that. And it's not like he was the most popular artist music-wise, but, no, he you know, all his his community endeavors and all the positive work that he was doing really is is like the f- the focal shining point uh which is cool to see in in this instance you know and and that the the media it's not so far it hasn't turned into a huge media circus of them trying to pin it demonize back. yeah and pin it back to demonize the, the culture demonize it and pin it back towards street shit or try to tie in gang relations to it because you know they they easily could try to you know take that and and run with it so i'm glad that that's not right that's not what it is because that wasn't the case you know so well well i think the reason why they can is because he everything he did behind the scenes was so solid that even you know you even got the mayor and the police commissioner, if I'm not wrong, yeah, yep. mourning his death because he was active in, in, you know, trying to help, you know, with gang relations and stuff like that. Yep. So he, everything he was doing behind the scenes is such a solid thing. And on top of that, whether you his music was popular or not, he his music was respected. And, yeah. And he had a, a, a solid underground following and and, you know, and he, he had good music. And he he was a well-rounded artist, like you know he he had his lyrics, you know he, he just it was just solid all around. He was a solid artist and, a, and seemed like a solid person, and and then you know, but then we can also play the devil's advocate and start to you know what we do here as as fathers is start to realize like or understand or try to understand where you know was it a little was it too late in a sense of of all the positivity when it's still. The connection to to the streets and 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 I think that's a question for hip hop in general and and I see different perspectives and different people like I don't know if you guys follow a uh, Cam West Coast Cam, um, and he's kind of like come out saying that you know he for one wants to like negate and 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 also apologize for his contribution to hip hop which was was which was pro gangs and and you know anything misogynistic towards women and anything he thinks degraded you know, the community or the youth and, and he's, you know, coming out and apologize. But the other aspect that I think, and this is obviously bigger than even us to tackle now, even on this one podcast, but is that like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? It's easier for an OG to come out and say, you know what? I was wrong, you know, in such and such years. And then you got the young guys saying, yo, of course you're wrong because you already lived out your life and you know, you're over with it, but you know, now I'm just, I want to come out here and ha- have fun, you know, and do and wall out or whatever. So there's just a lot of things going on right now, but I think it's all great conversations to be had for hip hop, for, for, for minority communities. Um, like I saw, you know, the gangs United in, in LA mm-hmm. in, in morning of Nipsey. I didn't, I didn't see, but I heard that there was some, 
some Latino gangs, and I hope there was there was more Latino gangs involved as well. I didn't I didn't see it myself, but I I heard some whispers of it, and I just hope that all these street elements kind of like something positive comes out of this that 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 helps the youth and helps you know the community out. Uh, Kay, I mean you you're in LA. How's is what we're seeing in the media representative of what's actually happening on the ground? Or are you seeing other things with respect to, like, you know, the whole Nipsey situation? It's hard to tell because, I mean, that's all – whatever's going on in Nipsey's close circle and their world is it's, – it's, it's that world. So, you know, no one's right. really going to be privy to it unless you're, you know, part of that circle. Um, I'd say the overall sentiment um, – you know, here and uh, I was just in North Carolina at, at Dreamville Festival, and you know, the it's just the overall sentiment is everyone's sad, but there's an outpouring of respect and and uh, you know, people just happy that he did what he did. So you know, as far as the again, as far as like what's going on deeper in that, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I, I was uh so that Sunday when it happened, I was uh checking like, you know, social media or whatever and I, I stumbled upon like a, a post from Lauren London. I wanna say it was like maybe hours before um it happened or maybe the day before or something like that. And like she was talking about how she was there in bed with like one of her kids. Yeah, and the, kid, I saw that. the kid was sick and she was like, you know, talking about like, yeah, you know, once one gets it, the whole household gets it, whatever. And I'm like, yo, imagine going from that to getting that phone call, B. Like, no, yo, it's, it's, a, it's a wrap. Can't even you know? imagine it, man. Like, huge condolences to that entire family. And, and it, you know, I mean, this goes without saying, but obviously there's people dying every single day, tragic, you know, things happening around the world. But specific to, to like, you know, hip-hop and... and, and and the culture, this, you know, is definitely reverberated um, throughout the community, man. And, and I don't know, I'm just I'm just hoping that we we obviously, it, well, not obviously, it feels like we didn't learn lessons, we as a, as a hip-hop community. community. And, you know, people say try to, people say that you should differentiate hip-hop and then the streets, which I get it. But hip-hop kind of like comes from the streets you know, originally yeah and it has one leg in the streets you know a lot of times and one leg in in in, in art and, and music so you know we didn't really learn it seems like a lot of lessons from you know like the tupacs and the bigs and there's a lot of other artists that have you know big l and that have have died untimely deaths at the hands of, of somebody else jam master j jam master j is another one so hopefully this changes something you know and and it does feel a little different though i'll tell you that it feels mm-hmm. a little different, so. <clears throat> kind of segueing from that, um, you know, again, rest in peace to Nipsey and his family. Um, going back to talking about gangs a little bit, um, there was an article or, that I read not too long ago, and I shared it with you guys, that um, Ecuador, country Ecuador, they their government has now in a sense legalized street gangs so it's not that street gangs are necessarily illegal but they've tried to embrace street gangs and now they're calling them cultural organizations so what that means is that 
um, you know, the government is deeming them and recognizing them as as a force and hopefully a, a positive force, and that leads to, you know the gangs open to um, you know getting government funding, you know, working with uh, local governments, and just being able to be a part of the mix uh, in an attempt to help kind of like curb the violence and steer them into a more positive direction, which I think is a pretty bold, pretty bold and pretty forward thinking idea. I mean, it's similar. It's similar to like how some of the countries like Amsterdam, for example, has, you know, they've legalized lots of, uh, drugs and prostitution. And through that, you know, through that, they've seen a lot of decrease in, uh, what would traditionally be a lot of violence and things of that nature. So apparently they've done, uh, apparently they have seen a pretty significant decrease in gang violence in the country since this has been happening. And this has actually been, um, I think almost 10 years now that it's been rolling out. They've been kind of making it happen. I mean, would you guys think about that? You think that would work here in the States? Well, so I, I think before I answer that question, I, I think the whole concept is, I mean, it's it's risky, right? Uh, just generally speaking, the fact that they're making it, it seems like they're making it work just from the statistics that, that were shared um, says a lot. Because w- what I got from that article was basically like they're including these groups of people that historically have been excluded in a lot of cases and not given marginalized yeah yeah marginalized right and then and now giving them kind of you know in some cases funding opportunities to to gather without too much bullshit and and what's come out of it seems to be like you know programming for their people positive things that they can help each other kind of uplift each other which you, I mean, the, the folks that kind of started putting this together and the, the influences that they got in order to start the project obviously had some data to suggest that the positives were coming. But if you're looking at it from, you know, the the non-educated land, you know, point of view, like not the academics that, that put this together, it's really hard to imagine that something like that would transpire. Knowing what we know, you know, the impacts of gang violence are. But I guess you know when we if, if we trace back kind of the origins of just gangs in general, a lot of gangs are rooted in in they were community started for com, yeah as a community yeah. organization to protect the community or yep. to do some positive things, and then throughout the years, you know things people stray, different things happen. Yeah. I mean, look, even in even in I guess so called traditional organizations, whether it's Masons, fraternities, whatever you, you know, all types of organizations, social there's, fellowships, there, right? There's going to be there's going to be subsets. There's going to be kind of rogue folks that go off and you know do illegal things in any kind of Wall Street, whatever. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're actors' gonna, guild, right? Yeah, now, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's not it's not a far fetched thing. Um, yeah, I I think you're right. I you know I was thinking the same exact thing. Most of the major gangs in the United States were originally community-based organizations trying to deal with, you know, issues with, you know, that, that were plaguing minorities and poor communities. So it's not really a far-fetched idea for the, I mean, it's not a far-fetched idea for them to get funding and for them to be empowered to try to bring, go back to the essence of that. Now, 
my issue with it is is that government is unstable and government changes with right. whatever political parties are in power at the time. And if you start something like that and then pull back from it, you might create a worse problem. And, right. and, and you know, and that's an issue that I would worry about here, you know, it happening here in the United States, maybe in a smaller country and they're, you know, on a micro level or, or even macro for them. But it's a different case or maybe they have different kinds of polit- you know, political landscape. But here, for what we know, you know, you have Obama one year and then a Trump the next year. You think that a program like that would sustain itself? Not at all. Right. And and that that vacuum that that would leave, that would probably cause more chaos. But it is it is a great I think it's a great idea if we had stability in our politics to, you know, and, and we had a, a, a section of the government that wasn't, you know, prone to political movement that would just, you know, commit to it for a certain amount of years and then at least spit out some data and say, look, this is what we've accomplished with it. And and because of the data, that was the metrics to continue it, not no political party and their ideology. Right. right. I mean, I like how uh, Killer Mike refers to gangs as street fraternities. If you watch Trigger trigger Warning. Same, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It. So, I mean, and I guess like taking this back into from, I guess, a parenting or a fatherhood perspective, the whole idea of gangs or joining organizations, um, a lot of it, I think, stems from, you know, it's an extended family or for people who don't have a tight family structure, uh, missing fathers in the household, you know, the these organizations act as, uh, you know, a surrogate family. You've got... You know, you've got other other dudes to look up to and be a father figure or a big brother or you know that kind of thing. I mean, even E for you, Crazy Hood creating that. You know, that's that's like a a yeah. brotherhood family function. It could, yeah, it could you have. Know, in our high school days, you could have looked at us as a gang easily. You know, Manny and I, we we connected because you know we're in an organization, uh, you know, like a fraternity, a social fellowship, and and again for me that was it became like an outlet of an extended family of being around, you know, getting knowledge from older dudes that, that maybe I didn't right. get at home, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So it all kind of feeds into the same mindset. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's obviously different factors at, at work, well, especially when well, you're in the streets. I, I was going to say that I think the biggest one when you compare social fellowships slash, you know, fraternal sorority organizations to, you know, quote unquote gangs or, or street fraternities is really the the barrier to entry is the university. Yeah, exactly. In that in that case, right? So these people don't necessarily have the means in a lot of cases to to attend. So that is the default kind of brother sisterhood well, that they adopt. Yeah. You, you know what also is the defining difference is paying taxes and not paying taxes as an organization. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Cuz right. like I said, crazy hood in high school us running around the streets of Miami could have been any, you know, person walking around be like that's a gang. The minute I incorporate and pay taxes, you know, that's a company and that goes, you know, with a fraternity or that goes with anybody the, you know, the minute that they, that's why I, Killer Mike and his series, they they did products. You know, they right. created a what was it? A Crippa Cola right. and Blood Pop, was it? <laughs> was that the other one? Blood Pop? I think I so. I don't, it was something like that. It was it was super yeah. dope. But I mean, at the end of the day, it boils down to paying taxes, which is basically it's it's the other big gang that you got to pay up to, you know? <laughs> right? You 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 know you're, so look, man. We live in in a in a society that really is gangs, 
Yeah, it's, it's all, illegal it's all gangs up and everywhere. illegal gangs, right. and that's the difference. And the illegal gangs are being preyed upon usually by the legal gangs um, because they have legal power mm. to, to lock you up or whatever. But, uh, but unfortunately, that's the world we live in. And yeah, I don't know. How do we keep our kids out of the out of or encourage them or encourage them to join gangs like me? Like I was t- my daughter. We after that article, I, I just I I love when we have a conversation. I just immediately go to one of my kids. Usually it's my eldest. And I apply whatever it is that we were discussing to her to see what her reaction is. And so I go to her and I'm like, yo, you know, I was in a gang. Just met random. And she looks at me and she's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, do you even know what a gang is? And she's like, you know, the stereotypical answer is like, yeah, they they beat people up and, and they, they, they're they criminals. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, what you see on TV, right. And then I'm like, nah, man, I'm, I'm in a gang. I joined one in college. And she's like, you they have gangs in college? And I'm like, <laughs> well, technically... It can, it can be looked upon as a gang because it's a group of people, blah, blah, And I started explaining it to her and basically defining what what a community organization was, right? Taking away all the stereotypical negative stuff. And she was like, oh, so that's what that is. That you, you know, because you, she sees me going to meetings and stuff and wearing, you know, rocking the, the paraphernalia. And it kind of, like I saw her mindset change a little bit. Like she was, she was less judgmental. Like I'm saying, I told her, look, there are gangs, the the stereotypical ones that you you thought I was referring to, but don't assume that that's the only type of community. You know, organizations. When you see a group of people together, don't assume it's just a gang. Like they could be serving a higher purpose than the bullshit that you see on TV. And that was fun because she was like. You know, kind of blew her mind a little bit. So, so thank you, Kay, for sharing that article. Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> real, real quick though, my take for my daughter when she grows up, and and my advice is on my personal outlook on all this stuff is I just wouldn't want my child to feel like she's in a place where she has to follow anything or anybody. Right. Like I want her to be an individual, and if she chooses to be. And, you know, a community organization, she does it, but as an individual uh, working towards common goods with a group of people where they're all collaborating versus her following the lead of some other people because, you know, she's a follower. That's what I wouldn't want. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I I think um, I think you run the risk of whether gang organization, community, whatever, whatever kind of organizations, you know. There are some where it's it's really about following what the you know what's already been laid down, and then you just gotta kind of right. be in the mindset to go do that. And then there's others where it's you know your individuality is what's uh, you know making you valuable, and you're bringing that to the table, and everyone's kind of bringing you know their own thoughts, which which make the organization a better thing. So yeah, you definitely got to be mindful of that. With I, I remember. I remember in talking about crazyhood, I I went to, you know, like I sat in on some, I won't mention the organizations, but I sat in on some, some hip hop related organization meetings. And I remember seeing just like the cultish, I felt like it was a cultish vibe in these places. And, and I was just like, why do I need to 
you know, follow this shit. Like I could just start my own shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, you I got my, I got, I got my boys, you know, like we could just do our own shit. And that was my, my mindset. Like, why need, do I need to follow somebody else and some other people's mindset and be like this beehive, you know? And I might, I could just do my own shit over here. And that's what I did with crazy. And that was my idea. Mm. That they have to kiss the ring. <laughs> Who? Who's they? Not my you. boys. Bend the knee. We formed like Voltron over here. Crazy hood. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would want my son to. I mean, if he was going to get involved in any kind of organization and, and make it be something that he's adding to it and not just being a follower for sure. But but what about this fatherhood's gang? <laughs> hey, we got to walk people in, son. We're out there. <laughs> yeah, we got to get these people branded, so we <laughs> right. tatted it up. Yo, I asked, was it man? Yo, you brand down? I kid. I said, but but Kelly, yeah, motherfuckers want to do that shit. That's on them. Yeah, that's a little. I was a little wilder in my 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 youth. It's all right. <laughs> Yo, I, I, not to. Well, fuck it. It's gonna be a tangent. Uh, and and stop me if we've talked about this, but. No. Uh, <laughs> what do you how do you guys approach uh actually all of y'all both of y'all are now relevant for this because your daughter is walking around now e uh do you have stairs in your home like inside yeah go okay that's her favorite thing to do is climb the stairs right so how do you approach keeping her safe while having stairs at home because the the obvious answer would be all right. Let's block all entry to the stairs, and that t- tends to solve the problem. But like, I'm I don't necessarily agree with it. But I'm, I'm wondering how you guys tackle that. I, I'm right now. She's not walking freely yet. She hasn't gotten to that stage. So when, whenever we get to the stairs, she just like she like leans like she wants to get down, and then we just. I walk up with her. I stay with her, like right behind her. So she doesn't, you know, so, and, but we do want to block off the stairs. That's, that's going to be the next move. Yeah. I actually don't have stairs. So I didn't have that problem. And I'm actually a little paranoid when he goes somewhere or someone's house or something where there is stairs. Cause you know, he's a little too, he can be a little reckless on running up and down. Like and, amidst a step. You know, he's just excited by the stairs. Right. So. right. You know, like, uh, like for instance, he's he's at a uh, he's at a play date right now with one of his buddies. And did you do did you do a full full cavity search? Uh, we've been over to the PSA? spot. Yeah, we've been over to the spot before. They do have treacherous stairs, and he really liked playing he on them. Treacherous <laughs> stairs uh, <laughs> last time. Yo, uh, did you go? Checklist. Did you go in there with a checklist? Hell yeah, my, like, my mental oh. checklist. He he measured each step. Up oh, treacherous stairs. Yeah, like st- all right, stairs, no railing, potential to, to fall you. off. Okay, damn, no railing. What nah. the fuck is that? <laughs> like a stair in the middle of a fucking room? Yeah, it goes up to like a rooftop area so uh, so this was actually a thing that we had to because i mean his the the kids parents they're super cool like you know we we dig them um but we're still not there with the uh unsupervised play date yeah. so you know they were like yeah you know you want, can kai come over and play after school and you know my wife and i were contemplating yesterday like oh man i don't no, but I don't think we're there yet. It's like 
like, what about those stairs? I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling those stairs right now. So, so what, what do you tell these people then? What's the answer when they ask, well, can he come over? You say, mm, I don't know, I'm not feeling them stairs. Uh, the answer is, the answer is, well, like, like today, yes, he he's can got come, a hair appointment. Like, yes, he can come over, but you know, my wife's going to be there too. We're not, we're not there yet with the unsupervised, uh, Oh, play so you it, play it real. Oh, yeah. you tell them straight yeah. up. Yeah. And what do they okay. say? Cool. They laugh and they're like, "All right, we get it." You know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh yeah, whatever, bro. I yeah. mean, you got to put your conditions in there. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it. It's like it sounds silly, but at the same time, it's like, "Yo, that's my kid." Like, if something, something, something could happen at any moment, and it's like, if I kind of didn't, if if we didn't go with our gut feeling, right. even even if it seems fucking ridiculous, like. You know what I mean? It's just like, all right, got to go with the gut feeling on it. So would that be considered helicopter parents? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, at some point, like there's, there might be one or two people that we feel okay with right. unsupervised. Like he's got a he's got a best friend, and we're pretty cool with his parents, and um, and you know trust like. We just we just know them more, right? We have more time with right. them. Like they've known the kids have known each other since they're like five months old, and you know they were all we lived all on the same block and everything. So it's just more of a comfort. We kind of see how they get down on the parenting side because we've just been around them longer, right? Yeah, you know. Um, so there's like a handful of people that we just know, and again, still if we left them unattended, anything could happen. Even attended shit could happen, right? Yeah, but it's still safeguard. Yeah, it's still just like, damn, you know. I guess, I guess, I just I want to just do what feels comfortable, what feels less stressful, and if that means it's being a little overboard, I guess, then that's how it's got to be <laughs> until I let up a little so, bit. Hey, this this is a judgment free zone, okay? You gotta just let oh, it no, out. No, no, no. I feel you. I'm just. I told me and my girl talk about it all the time. I feel like. Damn, we're gonna be like th- well, it's like really, it's what Angie Martinez said. It never ends. Yeah, ah, and, and like I fear every moment, every day, just like anything can happen. Even when I'm with my mom, and I've talked about this on here before, and my mom, she gets mad at me. She's like, when when I go over, she's like, okay, now you're gonna stay in the living room, and I'm gonna take my <laughs> granddaughter into my room, and I'm gonna play with her and hang out with her, and you're not gonna be standing over. And I'll do it for like five minutes and then walk over and be like, is everything okay over here? Yeah, right. <laughs> Police officer EFN. <laughs> you know, because my look, my outlook is that we can make mistakes and we we know we care. You right, know, like right. we know we uber care. So imagine, and I'm not, obviously my mom uber cares as well, but I mean, it's just, there's nothing like the parent over caring Versus just, you know, it starts to diminish from that point on, you know, as you go down family member, friend, person in the street, you know, you're just like, ah, like, are they going to watch them like I would watch them? You yeah. Know? I don't know. We've talked about this before, but Manny, like, for your kids, when was that time of like, all right, there are, they can go unsupervised? Or, I mean, I'm assuming your eldest goes over and does, like, unsupervised hangs out and shit like that or maybe not i don't know she's the one that does it more frequently but but so it's the age where we started i, I guess was probably around five five yeah 
five is probably actually I think that was earlier for my son. So does for your my, as, eldest daughter? So your son goes like, goes over to friends' houses and unsupervised at this point. Only one friend's house, and okay. they are our immediate next door neighbor. Okay, got it. And they're they're, they're a cool cool yeah. family. They're new on our block, but the kids go to school together. Right. And we we feel comfortable with them. Um, but, but that was really early for him, and that's because of the circumstance because yeah. they happen to be right next door and they go to school together. But what's their uh, nationality? Just curious. Who? The neighbors. Uh, American white folk. I don't know. <laughs> You're that's so as close as gonna get. <laughs> Polish. <laughs> if it they ain't white, be. it ain't right, huh? I see how be. you get down. Damn, <laughs> But my eldest, I don't, I don't think we let her go anywhere unsupervised until maybe, maybe nine, ten, something like that. And and even with that, like it's still kind of we're still trying to we're we're in that phase where we're trying to allow her some freedom because she now she's twelve, so we're trying to give her some space because we're trying to bet on her. Versus right, right. her surrounding, right? Right, so, right, right. Like if she's, that she's yeah, earned enough trust. Yeah. See, that's something that we were discussing too, because we were like, we don't feel like he's, like he can he can speak up for himself to a certain degree, but there's still times where, yeah. you know, I don't think like if a crucial situation happened that he's quite there yet to like put up a fight and and and. Or know, even de- realize and defend himself, and or you know take, and again thinking like on some crazy shit, like or not so crazy shit because stuff happens. But like if someone were to touch him or do something, like you know what I mean. Right. Like I don't right. know if he's at that level of just being able to you know stand on his own. And that's the other thing. It's yeah, there's the situation and the or, or the the um, the place that they're in. You know, might not be safe or whatever. He falls and hurts himself, but then. You know, is he prepared to mentally like take care of himself if anything weird should ever happen? And that's that's I think more along the lines of our thinking sometimes is, you know, like we have to watch him go through certain things and see if he handled it properly or not, and then kind of like get on him like, yo, dude, you can't let you know someone yeah. put their hands on you, and you know you right. gotta understand that like we're not gonna be able to let you do things if we don't can't trust that you can. Take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And what you're doing, I think, is the right move because exposing them to different circumstances, even if it's like an example that you bring up or like a news, you know, clipping that comes about that show expresses like one of your worst fears or whatever have you, like you have that discussion, it starts to implant in them what reality is, I guess, because a lot of times our kids live in like a bubble, right? Like we put them in this bubble and... They're protected from pretty much everything, and then some shit happens, and they don't know how to react. And we're never going to be able to give them enough tools for them to deal with every circumstance. But, like, the more predictable things, we got to put them in those situations and then have them react the way they normally would and and then start to help them think through how they should be handling certain situations. Right. So, like, with, with our oldest, she... We we play like we play a lot of mind games at home, like to really test their their mental stamina, and and we put them in certain scenarios, and and it can get tricky because sometimes you might be instilling a, a phobia or some sort of like. That's what I was gonna say. It's like a weird balance that you have to strike to, to make it work because 
you want your kids to feel happy and and have a careless life and at the same token you're trying to like slowly let them understand that the world is not that safe right it, it that has to be tough man like i'm i'm dreading those periods you know where i have to start to to prepare my daughter for that i'll give you i'll give you an example of so what just went down was part part of our mode of thinking here so you know my son is like at school they have this they have this rule basically you know manos and pas and so mm. keep your hands to yourself right yeah. and um and he he's become like like the teachers love him and everything because he's real respectful and he's following the rules and all that stuff but it's almost to a fault right like he's starting to blindly follow and it's like if some kid is messing with them or whatever you know we're like yo dude why didn't you you know push his hand away or and he goes no the rules are manos and pas you can't you know put your hands on something like, mm. yeah but you got to be able to defend yourself too you can't i mean it's confusing for him yeah, yeah yeah exactly so he's getting confused like he's getting you know we're talking about rules and everything it's like yeah but the rules are there so you know i don't want to break the rules and get in trouble and then I have to – so then we'll we'll go back to what he's learned about Martin Luther King, right? And we'll say, well, well look, you know, mm, sometimes, you ha- sometimes you have to break the rules because the rules aren't always the right thing for you. Like when Dr. King was, was doing his work, you know, there were certain rules that were in place. Were those good rules? And, he, and then he's like, no, no, you're – so oh, he, and good. I said, well, Dr. King had to break the rules to 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 make the world a better place. So you, sometimes you have to break the rules. And so he seemed to get it, you know, but again, it's still like he's, you know, he, he wants to, you know, let the teachers know that he's being respectful and understand. And so, again, this whole manos and pas thing of not, you know, touching anyone, which I, which I get. But again, it's like he was at, um, uh, we had something happen recently where, um, you know, they were at, some somewhere some school thing and one of the little girls in his class was sitting behind him and she put her arms around him um and her hand was grabbing his crotch basically and i don't and and it wasn't like yeah it wasn't like a on purpose type thing but you know her hands shouldn't have been there right right he didn't you know he didn't say anything about it he just let it he just let it transpire and let it happen and you know she's basically grabbing his crotch right so <laughs> so then when we afterwards we asked him about it um you know wait because y'all saw it happen or yeah because my, my okay. yeah my wife uh took a picture because at first she was like oh look how cute they are you know sitting uh... on this thing and you know took a picture and then all of a sudden she looked at the picture and saw oh, oh shit <laughs> you know what's going on here again innocent they're young kids it's not like you know anything right, right. was going down but still then we're asking him like, "Hey, did you know that that this is where her hands were?" And and he said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Did it make you feel uncomfortable?" And he's saying, "Yeah." Well, so well, how oh, come okay. you didn't say anything to her? How come you didn't push her hands away? And he goes, "Well, I know she didn't do it on purpose, and you know, manos and pas. Like, I can't. I don't want to move her hands away." So you know, it's like, "Fuck, man." He doesn't. He he's not able to kind of differentiate at this point. Right. So we actually had to go talk to the teacher. Well, my wife went and talked to the teachers, and they were actually really cool about it. They, you know, said, look, look, we need some help. Like, he obviously respects you and wants 
to be good in class and wants to follow the rules, but he it's it's like overdose on the rules. He doesn't understand that he's got to also be able to speak up and protect himself and defend himself. And, you know, they sat him down and tried to explain like, hey, you know, if the rule manos and pas is a good rule, but you also have to understand when to, you know, take care of yourself. And you should always feel that you should be able to speak up for yourself and move people's hands away and defend themselves. And, and then he tells the teacher, he goes, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so on the bus was sitting the other day and he was leaning into me and I, and you know, I wanted to tell him to stop. My dad said I should elbow him next time. <laughs> oh, manos y pas. Guerras y me tocas. Manos y pa 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 But, you know, long story short, I mean, back to the original conversation is, you know, we're trying to just get him to to instill in him so that we have more trust in that he's going to be able to want to funky situation arises that he can react accordingly and take care of himself so i think once we know have more confidence in like his ability to do that then we'll probably have more confidence in like letting him do more things independently yeah the the trusting the trusting is a big thing because we and you know with our eldest is like the prime example like the more that she shows us that she's trustworthy the more we kind of open up the Komodo, if you will, and give her options to do other things that, you know, we would normally restrict. And it's been, it's been a good balance so far because she understands that these are, uh, these are not rights of hers. These are all privileges that she has, that she's ger- um, earned. Earning. Right. And, and she knows what the consequences are if she goes nuts and does the wrong thing. So like one time we let her stay over a friend's house for like, you know, few hours or whatever Mm. and then they so the friend decides she wants to go to like a neighbor's house down the street they have to like go into the street yeah right cars are rolling by i mean and it's like a it's like a cul-de-sac it isn't like a main street but in any case at the time we were like yo you're not touching that street without an adult like there's there's no reason for you to be in the street without an adult and then we're we go to pick her up and we see her crossing the street with her friend into the, the house that she was supposed to be at. Yo, my wife jumped out the car. <laughs> she didn't make a scene or nothing, but as soon as she came out, yo, I swear, you see fire coming out of somebody? Like, as soon as we got in the car, that girl got chewed the fuck up. And then, you know, all sorts of shit got taken away. But that was one of those steps backward. And as soon as that happened, she wasn't going to nobody's house for several months. And once my wife got over it, she was like, all right, here, here are the rules again. And then since then, she's been, you know, on the straight and narrow. But but it takes that kind of shit in order for everybody to get on the same page. Do you it, think is go ahead? Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go no ahead. I was going to say, do, do you think it's safe to say, though, because I feel like you guys have two different things going on here that I'm trying to, like, grasp, which is trusting a little bit of an older child to do the right thing knowing what right and wrong is um, or knowing what the rules are. And then a younger child kind of like learning common sense, street sense type of stuff. There are two different things here at play, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think, I I think you have to have the, the, the street sense or the common sense stuff early on because it's harder for the younger kid to to kind of ra- 
understand what the right and wrong plays right. are on certain things. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but what do you think, Manny? Probably uh, wrong about everything it's, we talked about. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> right. Nah, it's, it's true. I Winging mean, take it. it from the guy who, who uh, got tongue kissed when he was six years old, bro. Like, shit happens. Right. Yeah. On the school bus. On the school bus. Like, that happened. So it's like, you. Oh, it, it happens. And I Episode was, 17. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we talked or about three. that. Oh, that's when I had a drink on. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you, you got to prepare him. But, you know, how, how do you, you can't be there at every step, you know, and every right. step of the way. And like for us, an, another example is like, you know, the school bus. Like, and Kay, I don't know in your in your school district if you bus them or if you uh, drive them to school. Yeah, they got. But like here, they got no money for buses and. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that, but that was another challenge. Like mm-hmm. even so, my eldest. So it was my wife, my eldest, and I, and we were. It was approaching kindergarten when my son was going to uh, kindergarten, and there was like a real debate. About whether or not we should allow my son to to go on the school bus, and it was this whole thing, and my no, nobody really wanted to let him go. They didn't feel like he was ready to right. deal with because there's different grades there, so they were afraid he was going to get bullied or some shit. Because again, he's he was five, four, whatever. So they were like scared, and I'm like, look, man, let him go. He really wants to go, and let's see what he comes back with. And it worked out fine. Like, he loves the bus. The bus people love him. It's all good. But my wife and everybody else were like, nah, fuck that. And, again, it's all relative because we live in a place where, I mean, bro, it's like it's really hard to imagine something crazy happening versus if this was the Bronx, I would be like, all right, maybe we should wait a couple couple years before this shit goes down. Yeah, I probably learned most of my childhood street smarts from – it, the bus when I first started going on a, on a school bus, public school bus, man, I hated the walk, the, I hated the, the hanging bus. out the, on the school bus, everything about that whole experience. Whereas I saw everything, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was gangs, fights, drugs, you name it, you know, I saw it <laughs> in, in in dealing with because where I I had to literally walk like two miles for my bus stop. Wow! Uh, and before that, I was walking to school, which was across the street from my apartment complex. So I was walking maybe a mile um, to elementary school. But when it came to junior high, it was like two or three miles to probably two miles to be. It felt like three miles when I was a little kid, two miles to the, to the school bus. And I saw it all, man. So I could understand like being scared. Like I'm thinking that's the thing that also that we got to wonder, like how much of the things that we endured or went through as kids are we putting on our kids? Like, we don't want to do that because obviously we're trying to create a different environment where, you know, we're, we're going to be, we hope we're going to look at, you know, the, the locations we live in and the things, you know, the, the people and the places they interact, like where some of us, you know, we grew up with single parents or, or certain situations that our, our parents had no choice, but to let us be latchkey kids and, and, you know, and fend for ourselves to a degree. Yeah. I can't even, I mean, in third, Second, third grade, I was walking to school by myself, and I can't even no, imagine. I can't even imagine. Well, I don't know letting, about third. L- letting my son do, Fourth and fifth do grade, that. I was walking. Nah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, around third grade, I was trooping yeah. to school. I mean, yeah. I, it was a block and a half away, but still, you cross the major streets yeah. doing that shit. Yeah, 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 man. So, damn, scary parenting, <laughs> isn't it though? 
But it's so much fun. And then one one more scaring scare uh scary tidbit. Scaring. Did you share it? Let's talk about the uh the measles outbreak. Yeah. I know you. It's so, like the walking dead, right? <laughs> you know what's funny? You know what's funny about that? I mean, you guys know this and everybody usually does, but like you know how the media blows shit up, right? And right. this smells like the pharmaceutical companies just really feeding fear into the mainstream. Well, you guys just made me and my girl want to uh, vaccinate my daughter tomorrow. <laughs> but like, and and I don't know the answer to this, but I, I should probably look it up. What is the worst case scenario if you get the measles? I, I don't know what it is, honestly, but I can't imagine it's likely going to be death or something, you know, permanent. Right? It's probably. I think there's. A, I think there is some pain. potential for it. I think there's. Well, I mean, there's potential with yeah. dying from the flu and yeah, the, right, yeah. right. But it's something that's not likely, right? So. Okay, fine. It's uncomfortable and it's it's contagious. It should be dealt with, right? It, it should require some sort of panic and people taking care of this, this shit so it doesn't spread. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right. Yeah, it was like, I think close to 500 cases reported or some, some, something like that. And, and I'm like, okay, so it's relatively simple. Get them the, the vaccine and the likelihood of them catching is very small. But then you've got people that you know, and I think, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think people, you know, we talked about this before, the homes, people who are homeschooled don't fall under the same requirements that, uh, you know, public school does, right? And so I wonder, are they a, a part of the population that's also being heavily affected by this and, and helping to, to spread it? But here in my area, um, <laughs> they keep talking about people that have been traveling to Israel is one of the countries and the Philippines is another and... Eastern Europe. I think Ukraine is one that they mentioned oh, specifically. DJ Butch Rock. I see you. Uh, yeah, the Philippines. <laughs> so, like, those happen to be the three places where people are contracting it the most and bringing it over, apparently. Huh. So, I'm like, yo, what the... So, it's like, I mean, it's pandemonium. Like, they're talking about, like, closing school districts and all sorts of shit over here. In order Why isn't to Trump eliminate. putting medical facilities in airports? <laughs> I, don't right? even, I don't even remember what I was vaccinated for when I was a kid. You guys have Dude, any recollection of anything? <laughs> I remember, like, what the hell's a vaccination? But I mean, nah. I'm I know I got a couple, but I don't remember. I have no record of what. I yeah. Like, did you guys get? You guys heard about this dude with the chicken pox, this politician, and the whole, the whole thing where he was like, ah, you know, I just, I, I make my kids, you know, contract it. Like, mm. I, if I find oh, out nah, my neighbor has it, like, I send my kids over there. He's like, that's what I something like that. I don't don't quote me, but <laughs> it was like a scandal. It was a scandal. I with definitely the got the chicken pox. I remember getting that. I, oh, I got it. Yeah. I definitely got it. Yep. Yeah, I got that shit real early. But I started hearing about the measles outbreak, and I'm like, I don't even know if I ever got a measles vaccination when I was a kid. And you can there still might not even been a measles vaccination. You, you, when you we can were still a kid. contract it when you're when you're older. I mean, you come in contact with it. I don't know how long those vaccines actually last. It lasts like 12 years or some, some shit like that. My mom, <clears throat> literally today, I was talking to my mom about it. And she was like, no, you got it when you were 14 and 21. And then after that, I don't know. It's up to you. You better figure that shit out. Hmm. Did you all get vaccinated for the plague? Yeah, every day. <laughs> the black plague. For the plague. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my pork grinds, B. <laughs> my pork grinds, vaccinations. <laughs> nah, but so... I, I know E. Since you've been going through the rounds of vaccinations, you do do you know if if your daughter has the the measles? The measles no, I mean I just asked my girl and she said that that was one that we hadn't done yet. Okay. And um, we're doing um, 
you know, we're spreading them out. And we've actually, there's a couple that because we were so unsure that we, we even wanted to do them at all that we waited a while because we felt that she was just too newborn to, to get vaccinated that she can't even get them anymore because you have to like do like certain age. ones like oh, right yeah, when they're yeah, born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we skip, like, we skip some of those too. The one. Yeah, we have yeah. a card and then they're like, nah, you can't do this one. You can't do this one anymore. You can't do this one. And then I almost feel like, oh, fuck, we lost the prize. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? So I don't know, bro. It's just... just it seems medieval sometimes when you think about it, like poking this little innocent child with a big oh. ass needle more than one. At, sometimes I don't know, man, what the fuck is wrong with our humans? <laughs> I, I, I took my daughter to with our to, humans, to, <laughs> our beautiful humans. <laughs> I took my daughter to the doctor today. Well, to the, to the lab to get some blood drawn. We went, my wife and I went cause we knew we had to hold her and whatever. Cause you know, you don't want to, needle to snap in her or whatever and um the youngest yo yeah the okay. baby yeah baby she's three but i was i was dreading that shit like actually we were supposed to do it yesterday and i was like can we push it can we post because she was having a great day yesterday she woke up super cheery uh, i was like yo let's not fuck this up because <laughs> yeah. it's not Kill typical like yeah it's like she'll she might be good for like an hour or two and then she starts with her fucking brattiness and then it's a bad day so yesterday it was perfect from soup to nuts. It was great. So I was like, let's not fuck this up. So we moved it to the next to today and we went and yo, they, they gave her, you know, the smallest gauge needle they could. And yo, as soon as that first prick came in, bro, oh, that shit killed me. And she's going nuts and trying to break free. And then it's taking forever for the, you know, they got to fill up like three vials of blood. Oh, man. Oof. And it's taking forever because it's a, it's a tiny gauge needle. So it takes forever for the blood to go through. And I'm like, yo, hurry up, man. Like, And you're holding her down? Yeah, she's wilding. <clears throat> yeah, bro, uh, it sucks. Yeah, my girl bro, what are you cries when, when, she's, when our baby's getting shots. She can't even see it. Yeah, it's tough. It's that, tough. That is the worst when you do it, when you're having a good day and then something pops up that you have to kill the vibe the whole day. It's like sometimes we'll have be having a great day and my son will do something that, you know, he probably should get in trouble for. And I'm just like, damn, man, do I want to fucking start this and do a head kill the whole day? Or <laughs> it's like... I, I want to be like you when I grow up, kid, because I just let... Take his course, and I snap, and then later I'm like, I just fucked up the whole shit. Yeah, that's usually the parents. Me and my girl fuck up a good day all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. All right. Anything else that's critical we got to cover? I think that says it. (laughs) (laughs) Golden silence. (laughs) All right, y'all. Y'all be good. Indeed. Keep fatherhood alive. <laughs>